Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 6 Aftershock The same day that this beautiful, perfect granddaughter was born, I received yet another aftershock of my personal earthquake. This one was severe enough that it even rattled my unflappable husband. This is never, ever going to end, I despaired. The next day was Monday. I kept my composure as I took my daughter to school, but on the drive home, I sobbed inconsolably. God! Please help me, I cried out. I can't do this anymore. Please deliver me. After a few moments, I did feel a little calmer and stopped crying. I remembered the appointment for the acupuncturist and decided to go. This time, I asked for both acupuncture and the emotion code. I didn't tell him anything about my circumstances. The emotion code identifies not only the trapped emotions, but the approximate time that the emotion became trapped. Often, a childhood event will come up as a cause for a trapped emotion, and the event needs to be addressed in some way before it can be released. In this instant, he addressed emotions such as humiliation, depression, anxiety, overwhelmed, worry, crying, and a host of other things, and they were all from right then. That's really unusual, he said. You must have a lot going on right now. Yes, I do, I replied without adding any further detail. After the session, I felt a bit lighter and was able to function throughout the day a little better. I was able to think a little clearer and was noticing some improvement, but a single visit didn't solve all my problems. As we struggled through this latest aftershock, my husband mentioned something about the need of being able to talk through this latest development and not keep these feelings trapped inside. I don't have anyone to talk to, I replied. You could talk to me, he offered. No, thank you. I made that mistake before, I muttered softly, hoping that he wouldn't hear. He did. I should have kept my mouth shut. And usually, I'm very, very good at keeping my mouth shut. But this time, my true feelings slipped out. I didn't feel safe with him. I didn't feel safe with anyone, but especially not him. I retreated and hid from everyone, and he was the hardest person to hide from since we slept in the same room. I didn't talk because I didn't want to be told that I was wrong or how I should be feeling or have my thoughts belittled or mocked or dismissed as being unimportant or wrong. I didn't feel supported by anyone, but especially not by him. Perhaps it was my slip of tongue that inspired his intervention. A few days later, I found myself trapped while he forced me to listen to him read an article about depression, 
and demanded that I admit to it and get help. He wanted me to go to a doctor and get diagnosed and begin taking medication. I felt like a trapped squirrel fighting for my safety. I vacillated between wanting to escape and wanting to lash out at my attacker. He emphasized that couples with a depressed spouse are nine times more likely to divorce and ended with a threat that he had had enough and that he was done. You're done? Fine. Go ahead and leave me, I spat. You could probably do better anyway. I finally escaped the room. I imagined my life without him and assumed that he would get the kids and the house and that I would fade from their lives to live alone in poverty and isolation. It wasn't a pleasant thought, but it seemed easier in some ways than pretending to be okay. I should just give in and embrace the misery. My life would no longer be a lie. After some space, I began to think about what he said. I was sorry that my depression was affecting anyone else. I had tried so hard to keep it to myself and to retreat into invisibility so it wouldn't hurt another soul. I knew perfectly well that I had a problem, but everything I had tried had failed. I can't get out on my own. I do need help, but I don't want the kind of help that he's offering. I had friends who were on antidepressants, and they're not the magic bullet that my husband hoped they were. I knew that sometimes there is a chemical imbalance, and medication is the miracle that solves the problem, and that is wonderful. But I also knew that for some, it just adds to the roller coaster of emotion. They try a new medication and wait for six weeks to see if it's effective. Then, when it fails, they try another one and continue the process indefinitely with marginal success. I've also done research, and some studies say that walking and physical activity are as effective as antidepressants to improve mood and are actually more effective as a long-term solution. I think antidepressants are wonderful in some cases, but often overused as a panacea for all situations. Besides, I knew that the source of my problem was not a chemical imbalance, but a series of life-changing events. To me, being diagnosed and taking medication felt like giving up and giving in. How ironic and hypocritical to say that right after wondering if I should give up and give in to embracing my misery. I'm a fool. Taking medication and still being able to live in my house and see my children would be better than refusing it and losing everything. I guess I'm just being proud and foolish. If that's what I need to do, then I guess I'll do it. I just wish there was something that could actually heal me rather than chemically masking what I could not hide through willpower alone. Wouldn't it be wonderful not to have to mask anything? Wouldn't it be wonderful not to pretend that I'm not depressed or to be chemically induced to not be depressed, but to actually be happy? If only that were possible. I decided to return to the acupuncturist and had another session in both acupuncture and the emotion code. I felt the weight of some of the emotional burden removed and I was lighter. I was ready for another conversation with my husband. We are not a yelling, fighting couple. There is usually peace in our home. Anytime we have an argument of any kind, it affects me deeply. The next conversation following any altercation is especially difficult. 
Emotionally charged words always exacerbate any situation. And it takes a lot of self-control and humility to be able to ameliorate the situation instead. This time, I was going to have to set aside my pride and agree to setting up a doctor's appointment and probably begin taking medication. (sighs) Deep breath. I could do this. I didn't mean what it sounded like, he began. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'll stay with you until the end. Thanks, I replied, greatly relieved by the way this conversation was starting. I know that I have a problem, and I'm sorry that it's affecting you. I am trying to do something about it. I'm exercising every day. I've been going to an acupuncturist. I downloaded the Headspace app and have been using that to do guided meditation each day. I am making an effort. I'm really trying. We embraced, both feeling lighter and more hopeful. The medication topic hadn't come up in that conversation, and I thought that maybe I could try what I was doing a little longer in hopes that it would make a difference. You may have noticed that I did not mention that the emotion code was part of my current treatment. I did not want him to shoot it down or demand that I go to a different practitioner who didn't offer such nonsense. I knew that it was helping. I remembered my sister's upcoming women's retreat and stressed over whether or not I dared to go. I was terrified of falling apart and being exposed as a fraud, but I needed to take additional steps to heal, and maybe there might be something that would help me. But could I endure it? Chapter 7. Retreat Finally, I gathered enough courage to text my sister. It looks like I will be able to come. Wonderful, she replied. Will you be here for the whole retreat and sharing a bed with Mom, as she told me earlier? I panicked a bit, but tried something that I would not previously have dared to do. I explained how I felt. I don't know. I'm torn. I want to support you and Mom, but I'm not in a good place emotionally and social situations are stressful and painful. Wherever I am, I want to escape, and I'm afraid of staying there with no place for retreat. Honestly, I don't want to go at all, but I know you and Mom have put so much effort into preparing. I don't want to fall apart in front of you, in front of strangers. I don't think I can do this. Almost as soon as the text was sent, the phone rang. I hesitated took a deep breath, and answered it. It was, of course, my sister. Linda, you don't need to come to support me, she began. You don't have to come if you don't want to. This isn't about me. It's about the people who want to come and learn how to be happy and get more out of life. I would never force anybody to come. Relief coursed through my body at being given permission that I didn't need to go. I wasn't being forced or guilted into anything. I had a choice. That was what I needed to hear, although I didn't know it until that moment. I'm so sorry that you're going through a difficult time. I would never know it by looking at you. You always seem so calm and put together, she said. That's because I'm a fraud, I said, beginning to cry. People think I have it all together, but I'm really a mess. I've felt that way before, too, 
People thought I had it all together, and all the while I was miserable inside. I thought there was no way out, and I'd just have to endure for the rest of my life, she added. But now I'm genuinely happy. It's so freeing. It's wonderful. Wait, what? Did my sister just say that she thought she would have to endure for the rest of her life? That word struck me, since that was exactly how I was feeling. And I couldn't believe that my sister, my perfect sister who is tall and thin and confident and driven and successful, could ever have felt that way. I have both admired her and envied her my entire life. It surprised me, but also comforted me that perhaps she wouldn't judge me and gave me a sliver of hope that she might even be able to help me. We'll be talking about tools that people can use to increase energy and happiness and how to achieve goals and experience the joy of success. It's going to be awesome. Does that sound like something that you might like? She continued. Well, yes, maybe, I stammered. Some people are coming during the day and going back home at night. Some are coming for all three days and others are coming for only one or two days. Others are staying at the condo the whole time. There are lots of options. What sounds best to you, she added. I'm not sure, I said. Do you need some time to think about it, she asked. Yes, I sighed with the relief of not having to make a decision right away. Linda, I'm a mentor now. I help people achieve their goals. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to pick a day that you'll be ready to make a decision. How much time do you need? By what day can you make a decision? I was taken aback. I've never had anybody ask something like that before. I thought for a few seconds. Sunday. I think I could make a decision by Sunday. Excellent, she replied. What time on Sunday? Uh, maybe by noon, I offered. I'm going to be busy until three. Will you call me with your decision at three o'clock on Sunday? Um, okay, I think I can do that. I said. We both said our goodbyes and hung up. And somehow, the idea of going didn't seem so repugnant anymore. By Sunday at three o'clock, I had decided to go. I was still scared, but now I felt like my sister was on my side. And having one person that I didn't need to hide from helped me feel a bit safer. She offered a plan to allow me an escape if I needed one. I could be on the food committee, which could provide me with an excuse if I felt I needed to leave at any time during the retreat. I gratefully accepted the position. A few days later, it was time to go. Since there was limited parking at the condo, I would be carpooling with my mom. We arrived in time so I could help prepare breakfast for those who had come up the night before. After cleaning up the breakfast dishes, it was time to begin. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. The next section is available on the following podcast. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon, and the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork Hope for Healing Linda Bjork, Two Good Things, 
and Linda Bjork, Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Nguyen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy. See you next time on Linda's Corner.